hun, it's me, Danielle. I am a licensed clinical mental health counselor, and I'm here to talk about all the ways multi-level marketing and mental health do not mix. It is important to know that this podcast is not meant to diagnose or for treatment. This podcast is based off of personal experiences and opinions, and is meant to educate and entertain. Now sit back and start healing with me on this episode of From Huns to Humans. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey, hon. Welcome to this episode of From Huns to Humans, brought to you by ThriveMind. Whether you're at a crossroads with your career, wanting to scale your side hustle, or want to start a new business, there are places down the road to change where you might feel stuck and need the experienced help of someone who has been there. Enter ThriveMind. ThriveMind is both a boutique marketing company for your small business, and most importantly, a coach and advocate to help you get your small business off the ground effectively and sustainably. Allie Heatherly, former Avon Hun and anti-MLM advocate, is the principal of ThriveMind and has 10 years of experience in business operations and can give you the tools to reach your goals. Visit thrivemindllc.com today to schedule your free no-commitment call to help jumpstart your side hustle business or career change today. That's thrivemindllc.com to make the big change today. Hi, everyone. Welcome to another episode of From Hunts to Humans. I'm really excited today to have M.A. here on the podcast, and she is going to talk about her experience with um, MLMs, obviously, and also the connection to Mormon culture, and I'm really excited to hear what you have to say about that. Um, This is probably our last episode in the Faith Manipulation series for this month, not to say that there won't be more in the future, but um, I'm excited to have had this opportunity to ask questions and to get more information out there about the connections between different religions and faiths and MLMs, because there's a lot of those. All right. Do you want to tell us who you are and where we can find you before you, and then tell us your story? <laughs> yes. My name is MA and I'm known as your tank top friend on YouTube and Instagram. I was raised in the Mormon church to convert parents. My parents converted in the 70s, right before the priesthood ban was lifted. And for those of you who do not know what that is, is that any person of African-American descent was denied the priesthood in the Mormon church. They could not perform any of the ordinances and also the uh, other priesthood excuse me I'm very upset about this Um, so what I would like to say about that is that 
I can't really speak on behalf of people of color. I am a white woman and I believe that it's hard for me to express that feeling of disgust when I haven't really lived it. I only witnessed it as someone who is white. And the thing that really upsets me about the situation is that my parents joined the church before the priesthood ban was lifted. And so I have these feelings about my parents that are unkind, that they could be racist. And I have struggled with that for a very long time. And you can research that on your own. There are many YouTube creators that are ex-Mormon that have been critical of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints for their history. This is just one of the things that has upset me as an ex-Mormon. You're doing great. You're doing great. I also want to first clarify that this is not a personal attack on someone who is Mormon. It is a criticism of the system in place in the LDS Church, the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. We are taught when we are Mormon to take it personally that someone is being critical of our beliefs and we are told that we are being persecuted for those beliefs so when someone will come after me for speaking critically about some of the harmful things that they have done in the past they take it as a personal offense and It is not on them. I understand why you are still committed to this faith. So I am warning you ahead of time that I will be speaking critically about teachings of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. And so I am letting you know ahead of time of the content that is involved in this uh, podcast. We were not given that when we were baptized in the Mormon church. We were not given certain information about the the past. We are not given information about the finances of the church. And I will put that into MLMs. When you are signing up for being in an MLM, You are not given informed consent. You are not told that there is a massive amount of time that is going to be involved in doing this. You are not told a detailed account of how you will be earning your money. You will not be told about the culture the culture of the organization that you are signing up for. You do not know what the standards have been set for 
how people treat each treat one another. And I see this in Mormonism, and I also see this in other faiths. We have a special connection with the Jehovah Witnesses because we're special in that way. And I can't always say that for evangelicals. I'm only speaking about Mormonism because that's what I was raised in, but I also have a connection with these people who are former evangelicals, former Jehovah Witnesses. So I am letting you know right now that there are going to be things that are going to upset your yourselves. They're, they're going to bother your intuition. It's going to raise your cognitive dissonance levels. So getting back to being raised in the Mormon church, I was fed the narrative that there was something wrong with me. I did not have inherent worth. I was not of value. I was born to make mistakes and that someone provided a pathway for me to come to this heaven if I went through these certain steps. So already my inherent worth was almost not there. My parents, my mom, she was the one that instilled confidence in me and told me that she loved me, but she had also other issues that she had been dealing with. And when I listened to Michelle Carpenter's story, she and I could be like sisters as far as the generational trauma happens. I do have a family history of severe mental illness. We have a very awful situation that happened with my mother's father. His father left and basically never came back one day. And so that was something that affected the generations. He felt like he had to control his family. And my mother suffered from a horrible self-esteem. And she also dealt with mental health issues. So I can see why she would join the Mormon church because it offered her a way of comfort. It offered her a path to what we call the celestial kingdom, the highest heaven, that she would have a certain reward when she died because her life was full and is still full of, of adversity. My father was a Baptist and he joined the Mormon church after he had his heart broken by a fiance. He managed to convert his parents and his sister. And so we all ended up being raised in Mormonism, my brother and I. Now they have a different set of eyes, my parents, because they were converts. And 
their experiences are different than mine. Their, the, the narrative that they had been taught was completely different than mine. And so they don't see the amount of suffering that my brother and I have gone through because of some of the teachings of the Mormon church. And I'm going to call it the Mormon church, which some people also get offended about because the new prophet president of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints has said that if we use the word Mormon, it is a victory for Satan. Even though a few years back there was an I Am Mormon campaign and they spent millions trying to promote that name. And I can't help but think in my cynical mind as I am out that this is a rebranding issue. That's, they, sorry, that's exactly what I was thinking as you were saying that. And like, I've heard about this before and that's always kind of been what I've heard is like the, the words like Mormon have such a bad rap right now. Like I can't really think of many instances in like, today's age where people talk about like the Mormon religion without it having some sort of connotation to it at this point um and I don't know if that's just because of the circles I'm in or if that's the way the whole world is I'm definitely curious to see what other people have to think and what you think of me saying that thank you for feeling validating my feelings on this because we have been gaslit as members of the church that this is a new revelation that comes directly from God. And I have huge issues with someone even claiming that they receive a re revelation from God. I think it should be illegal for anyone to say that, but that is a whole nother tangent I don't want to get into. There are many people that speculate that the reason why is what you stated is that this is rebranding. And I am actually going to emphasize that we need to look at this, look at the facts, look at what is prevent, look at the evidence and look at what is presented in front of us, okay, while we're going through this. So yes, there was a name change. I see this in MLMs. I see a, a morphing and an integration within MLMs. I believe just recently Miways was converted to Modair. And we see this in a lot of times when there are these absorptions within MLMs. Why they do that, it most likely has to do with money or they see things not being quite as profitable. I know that New Skin has taken on some other companies as well. I am seeing these companies because these are the ones that I'm familiar with that are here in Utah. I live in Utah. I can share with you that. They are a boil on someone's behind here in this beautiful state of Utah. And I despise the fact that we are known to have the highest amount of MLMs here. 
because this state is magnificent. It is the most gorgeous state I have ever seen in my life. I can look out of my kitchen window and I can see how gorgeous the mountains are. And it just takes my breath away how beautiful this place is. And it has been scarred by the MLM industry. And I am also upset that people know it for Mormonism. You're absolutely right. Those, I mean, again, I don't know if this is again, part of me being part of the anti-MLM community because anti-MLM talks a lot about um, how Utah is connected a lot with MLMs. And we also talk a lot about Um, or at least a moderate amount about the Mormon Utah MLM connection. Um, So uh, I don't know, like, I don't know if people outside of our anti-MLM bubble feel that way too. Again, another thing I'd be curious to hear what like listeners think like outside of the bubble. (laughs) Well, I will say that Salt Lake City is starting to really become more liberal. There are more people moving in that are not Mormon. And what I see happening now is that the people who are devout, they want to get out of the city. They do not want to be in Salt Lake City anymore because there's outsiders moving in. And they are moving down to places like Saratoga Springs and Lehigh And that's where a lot of those MLMs actually are, is in Utah County. For every temple that I swear I see, there's an MLM right in between it down in Utah County. And we can get into the temples later. But yes, I I was raised with this prosperity gospel where if you give to the church which is 10% of your income that certain blessings would happen to you and there are many religions that believe this you cannot enter a temple without having a current temple recommend In order to have a current temple recommend, one of the things that you are committed to doing is to pay 10% of your income. So when I see that, I think that you are buying your salvation. It is a corporation that you are buying your salvation to get into the temple to receive these certain, you make certain promises and covenants in these temples you will say you will do these things and in turn you are provided when you die your own planet and they do not say that anymore now because they want to be more in line with the main Christian values. And this is why a lot of evangelicals did not like Mormons back in the 70s and 80s. They put out this uh, film called The Godmakers. 
And if you ever follow this person, I want you to follow them in case you're more curious about the propaganda that goes on, especially within the 70s and 80s and a lot of the problematic beliefs that we were taught. Follow this person called Latter-day Labia because she, what she does is she actually takes these videos from places like Deseret Industries, which is kind of like a Mormon goodwill. She'll take these videos and she will put them on her page and expose these things that we had been taught back in the 70s and 80s when people think that this material has disappeared it isn't there are people keeping these problematic materials and they're actually putting them out onto the internet and that is another reason why there's been this rebranding because the information ages here and the mormon church cannot hide problematic information Yeah, that's, sorry, I had a second. I couldn't get my mouse to unmute. Um, <laughs> um, yeah. I wanted to pause that to make sure like if there was any questions you had, because I know it's a lot of information and I didn't actually write down anything. I, I'm just going off like I'm talking to a friend. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, no, you're doing great. Anything. Um, I was a little nervous at first, and I apologize for that. But no, now no, I'm on a roll. <laughs> I want to tell great. you, buckle up because it's just going to get better. <laughs> Do you want to swing into your MLM story and like show us where your uh, connections were being made? Oh, absolutely. Okay, so I was fed the prosperity doctrine. I was also fed the. Uh, purity culture. So I was always looking at my body, not necessarily with skin exposure, but there were some things that were said through the Mormon church, through the prophets, even about someone seeing someone's elbows and knees. Marky Peterson had said that if you wanted to look that up. So there was some things going on with some body dysmorphia. Um, just a very low self-esteem. I always felt like there was something wrong with me. And this can also play into that vulnerability that MLMs can prey on. Um, Absolutely. So already I struggled with this because there was a part of me that felt like I was the shit because I did feel like I had a lot of qualities about me, but at the same time, I, I was attending uh, church services that basically told me that there was something inherently wrong with me. So it was really a battle in my mind about what I believed in myself and about what others did. Um, so I'm curious if you feel like that like played into your MLM journey because I I feel like MLMs specifically um are really preying on things that we think are wrong with ourselves. So if you are being told at church that um 
you're not good enough and all of these things. I wonder if MLMs were kind of like the answer for you or presented as an answer. I really wasn't fully convinced that I believed totally in MLMs. And I don't know why that is, but one, I am a quiet person. It's obvious here on the podcast as I am talking to you that I am an introverted person. And for me to realize that I may be talking to a lot of people right now, it makes me extremely nervous. And it's just, I'm not the personality type for it. But with my MLM experience, so I went throughout my childhood, going to the Mormon church, I was also fed some very problematic things that were misogynistic, like I needed to stay at home with my children and for someone to have a desire to go and get an education and to be self-sufficient as far as a woman goes. That was something that they frowned down upon. And I remember at 10 years old actually saying that there was a president of the Mormon church at the time. He also has said some very problematic and hateful things about other marginalized communities that I should not be focusing on my education or my self-fulfillment, that I should not delay having my children, and I should not delay the number of having my children. I was 10 years old when I heard that message. So I'm in my 40s now. So there was a lot of conflicting things going on here, and I will play into that with the MLM because there was a lot of mom shaming that went on with Mormonism. And I didn't start to see it until I became a mom and I was briefly involved with Beachbody. I'm kind of all over the place at this point. Um, Getting back to the MLM, how I even got involved in one is that there was actually one that I was involved in called Trek Alliance that I had one of my Mormon friends, so-called friends, recruit me in that. But I believe that she really believed that this was something to get us ahead and to make money. I opened up to her and I shared things with her that... I would not have shared with anyone else in my church because she was very real and down to earth. She even said, I would not harm you in any way just by the fact that we share this connection. She said that as her motives for recruiting me into this company. And I believed her. So it's very hard for me to really think was she that evil that she manipulated me to the point to convince me to sign up for this MLM and to purchase products and sell it 
or did she really believe in that organization in that MLM? I, you know, I really think that most people truly believe that what they're doing is right. Um, I think that there are very few people that are in it going, I don't care about other people. I know I can see how I can make money. Let me pray on them. And I think that most of those people are more at the top. And I think that there's even another complex layer of they get to the top, they look down and they're like, oh my God, no one else is making money. It's just me. And then at that point, they're relying on the MLM. They're in, they're in the abusic relationship to the fullest because if they leave, they lose all their finances. They lose all of their support. Like, you know, when you're down lower in the pyramid, you lose some people and you do lose you lose money, but you're not losing everything. And if you're at the top, you are potentially losing everything. Mm -hmm. um, and this, you could relate to anyone who has brought someone into a religion. There are a lot of people who have served missions that have now left thinking, oh my gosh, I cannot believe that I baptized these people into what I think is a demonstrably false organization. You could tie that in with any kind of religion. And then when you decide that it is false, you have that guilt. And so we lost touch because I realized I didn't like bothering people. I didn't like, and this was back in the early 2000s. So we didn't have the internet to pester people. We called people. We contacted our warm market is what they called it. And even as I was signing up to purchase product, I had this intuition tell me that what I was doing was wrong because I was putting it on a credit card. I was in college, but I was also told that my intuition is not of value. There, you receive your external approval by what people tell you. I was motivated when I was growing up in the Mormon church that I saw approval for what other people were telling me to do. And I can see this now looking back that we don't listen to our intuitions anymore, especially when we've been conditioned to have someone else tell us to do certain things and that it's actually wrong to not follow your intuition, but to actually follow someone who thinks they may be speaking for you to help you and either financially or emotionally or spiritually. There is no real internal compass. They say there is in Mormonism. They call that the Holy Ghost, but the Holy Ghost is given to someone by someone else. I don't know if you have any questions on that because I might be using certain language too. No, you're I doing great. So... I did attend one of these so-called conferences and they had this guy here that 
talked that I really disliked him. I thought he was arrogant and he spoke poorly about people who work nine to five jobs. And I just didn't care for him. I thought he was a butthole, (laughs) so to speak. That was my word I used for him back in my 20s. So it really just, the whole organization organization turned me off. I had a couple of friends show up to a party. They didn't buy anything because they didn't have any money. I didn't know anyone, really. I was a college student. And I had... MLM sell. What's that? What did this MLM sell? Uh, They sold, it reminds me of like Amway type stuff, like supplements filters the main one was like a filter like Keenigan. um ugh. yeah every time I hear about water filtration MLMs I just cringe now and it did take off a little bit but so I signed up probably in 2001 and I realized I just had made a mistake and I was ashamed And the reason why I'm speaking out is because it's okay to feel ashamed and people just don't want to share their story. And I think it's really important that what you are doing is amazing. And I love what you are doing. So, and I am here pretty much being completely vulnerable with you saying that I was ashamed and I considered myself an intelligent person and didn't recognize the signs that I was being manipulated. But I also was not taught boundaries either growing up in Mormonism. That is a really interesting connection that you just made there. And so many comments. Thank you so much for that. Like, um, I really do hope that you know, everyone, especially the people, the guests that I have on the podcast, um, like I really made this podcast for the guests. Um, mm-hmm. But it's amazing how many people that just listen and get so much out of it. So it's really just been such a cool experience to help people shed light on all of these feelings that we have leaving these manipulative groups. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm curious about the connection that you made to not being taught boundaries and how that affected you in MLM. Okay. So the culture surrounding not maintaining boundaries, not being taught boundaries is a total clusterfuck in Mormonism. You are never asked if it's okay to be blessed as a baby in the Mormon church. As soon as you are blessed in that church, you are given a membership number. And they keep track of you. I want to say this because people who are thinking about joining the Mormon church, they need to know these things. My parents were not ever taught this. This isn't even the problematic history. I'm not even going to go into that, but that's number one. You are baptized at the age of eight. Do you remember believing in Santa Claus at the age of eight? I mean, I did. I sure do. Think about your mental ability there at the age of eight. Yes, you can do certain things on your own, but 
you do not realize the kinds of promises that you are making to the Mormon church at eight. And I really felt uncomfortable being baptized because I was not comfortable with it. I, I just didn't like it. The baptismal font was scary to me, but I never spoke up because this was black and white thinking that I was taught that these were the things that you needed to do. And the font I found was scary. I got tired of these random adults coming up to me and asking me when I was going to be baptized. I'm all, I was almost nine because I real I didn't want to do it. And I finally got tired of these random people that I didn't know coming up to me, getting right in my face, like bending down, getting right in my face and asking me when I was going to be baptized. I wanted to be left the fuck alone. So that is one thing too, right there. Yeah, that's, that's really a lot of pressure. I mean, talk about peer pressure right there. Like having people constantly coming up to you and being like, are you going to get baptized yet? Are you going to get baptized yet? When are you getting baptized? Oh, honey, you're going to be so great when you get baptized. Yeah. And it was just a lot of those things. Um, Also, they do what's called temple work for the dead in these temples. And I went because I thought it would be fun to go to Dallas. I am a Midwestern Mormon. I am not from Utah. The closest temple was Dallas. And I thought it would just be cool to go down there for a trip with my friends. But I had no idea what exactly I would be doing at 12 And I remember being not so uncomfortable then, but I remember when I was in my 20s, I had gone to another temple and this person, they gave me probably about 10 names and I was constantly being dunked to the point that it scared me because I did not even have any time to take a breath in between the dunkings and I didn't even have the strength the knowledge to say can I please just have a minute to just breathe because I didn't want to cause contention in a holy place if I had complained I would cause contention so that is just a few of the things where your boundaries are never really discussed. It's an, it is a perfect environment for grooming. And uh, so I've also heard like from other Mormons or ex-Mormons, I should say that, um, you know, women particularly are very like controlled in the, the Mormon faith and that they, um, it's really sounds like a kind of, you do what you're told to do and you don't complain about it. And that's just the way it is, which is a recipe for disaster when it comes to things like mental wellness, domestic abuse, um, just relationships in general. Like, how are you ever supposed to tell people how you actually feel and where your boundaries actually are if you're in a place where you're just told to follow directions and not ask questions? 
They want you for your obedience and your fertility. And I will tell you another thing about boundaries with that. It is a huge overcrossing of boundaries to expect a woman to repeatedly produce offspring. The amount of toll that it takes on a woman to have a child and then expected to keep doing it over and over again, women are taught to believe that we had a pre-existence, we existed before this earth, women are here to bring forth spirit children, and there are women out there who take it quite literally to have as many offspring as they can because they have to save these souls. They have to give birth to these souls. Never mind the emotional and financial and physical impact that it has on a woman. So I'm glad that you brought that up. So this also plays into the MLM sphere that here are these women. You, you can't have an outside job in Mormonism, if you expect to have all of these kids, childcare is expensive. So you're also being taught that you have all these children, it's a way to make money. And let's not forget that it harms the men too, because the men are expected to be the breadwinners of the family. And if they can't provide, then it's on them that there may be, they may be doing something that is not conducive to the spirit and they're going to be punished for that. They're not being rewarded in some way. It's, it's a very toxic system. Yeah. Um, so what ended up happening for you to get out of that MLM? I just, was done. And when I ran into the girl that thank you for bringing back to that, because I could just go on. Um, (laughs) So I stopped talking about it. I was embarrassed. I didn't like bothering people. And it just wasn't me. And I felt like if they wanted to find a product that worked for them, then they could search it out. And I felt like a lot of these things were expensive. They could go somewhere and find something similar to that. And I just either trashed it, the the supplements I bought, I trashed. And there was another thing, they were really anti-chemical. And this might've been at the beginning of the whole like, ooh, chemicals are bad. And I was a scientist. I was going to school to get a bachelor of, science and they were I think this was right at the beginning when people were starting to into that organic no chemical movement and so it just the whole organization it just wasn't for me and I and I think I donated the filters I just was ashamed I wanted it out of my house I knew I had made a mistake and I knew that i needed to learn to say no and I said never again will I join an MLM for to make money Um, but I didn't realize about how harmful the actual structure was until much later so the second one that I got involved in was Mary Kay and that was just mainly 
oh, let's get back to the MLM Track Alliance. The FTC shut them down for being a pyramid scheme. Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> I got a postcard in the mail in 2005, and I think I might have gotten like 80 cents out of this class action lawsuit. <laughs> Well, you know what they tried, I guess. They ripped off a lot of people. And if I had done my research, I actually looked and Trek Alliance was an offshoot of this other one that's a little more well-known called Equinox. And, but you don't really hear about Trek Alliance very much. See, so either. there are, there are uh, MLMs that they will disappear and then they'll form another one right form another one and i think this is what happened with trek alliance so i just thought i'm never doing that again not not to make money full time i don't have the network that's what i thought i still bought into the narrative that i just didn't have the network i just wasn't outgoing enough i didn't know enough people and then i met somebody that did Mary Kay and I was convinced to buy product because I liked it. I went to a party and I did buy product, but I never made it into thinking that I could make a living off of it because by that point I was, I had my degree, I was making decent money. I had benefits so to me, it was just like, oh, I'll sell it if I have extra product. If I don't, whatever, I'll give it to people. But I actually was shamed for saying, you know, I don't know enough people to sell this product. And you know what this upline told me? Well, you don't know anyone that has skin. Rude. Just rude. rude. What the fuck? Like, and I was not in tune to it at the time because I was like still in my mid twenties and you figure out this stuff way later and you'll be doing the dishes and this thought will pop on your head and of just some rude thing somebody said. And yeah, that one just popped in my head. And I started posting all of this anti MLM stuff on my Facebook. And she saw it and I, she unfriended me because I was like, I'm done with MLMs. Um, but this was after I left Beachbody. I really knew what was happening then. So, you know, it took about three MLMs of being involved in one before I finally figured it out. So, but meanwhile, I was still active in the Mormon church. And when I was recruited into Mary Kay, um, and it wasn't through a friend at church, it was through somebody at work. Uh, she knew someone and this lady that had so-called recruited me, the skin lady, she was actually doing those little um, hand hand what it was that that soft hands thing that they had I forgot what it sat satin hands it was the satin hands and she was at the sink doing this at my workplace and I'm thinking now like how the fuck she'd even get into our break room who let her in there because that that was at a hospital somebody let her in there and went into the lab break room and she was doing 
satin hands. How does that work? Because I, I don't know how a company would allow that. Did someone just let her in? Like That's so weird. I, I'm showing how there's no boundaries here. Zero, zero boundaries. So, yeah. And I, I had been using their product and buying their product just to use personally until I found out not the year that they did this, but about two years later, they opened up their market to China. And when you open your market up to China, animal testing is actually required there. And I really try to stay away from animal testing when it comes to cosmetics. I just think it's wrong. It, it, it is completely unnecessary to do that. My husband would disagree because um, he's in that cause he's into that field of medicine where he thinks well at least you know now if they tried it on a rabbit it's not going to hurt you but I'm just like dude shut up I think he was being facetious when he says things like that <laughs> just to make you feel better about the situation because I was so peeved about it yeah so yeah I told the oh but this lady the skin lady everyone has skin lady she actually stopped selling Mary Kay and now she's selling cars so there's a story there but she pissed me off so bad I don't even want to ask her and the fact that she unfriended me I I don't know what her deal was but then while I was actively in church going to church I was got involved with this really horrible individual and he manipulated me and I was I don't want to get into too much about that guy because I know we have limited time but because of all of the stress I believe with the multi-generational trauma the purity culture the constant shaming I was always such an anxious kid. I was depressed in high school. You will find that many people who were Mormon have gone through this. And having this toxic relationship, I ended up being diagnosed with Graves' disease. And Michelle Carpenter and I are spoonies together. And but I will tell you that during that experience, a lot of growth happened there. And when I went through treatment, I realized that Mormonism really isn't a community. They're not really your friends. Because when I was sick, a lot of people did not come to, to visit me. Yes, I was in a young single adult ward, but not a whole lot of people visited me. I don't know if they were afraid to visit me because depression might somehow just be contagious. And yeah, there have been people that have actually been kicked out of housing at BYU because they were depressed and the roommate said, she's a danger to herself. We don't want her in sharing an apartment with us. So there is that culture. Wow, that is so shaming. Yeah, that's so shaming. And so many people have feelings of depression and anxiety and things like that, especially in young adulthood. Um, 
And, you know, we have this issue where people are afraid to come forward and talk about what's going on and ask for help. And it's just such a shame that people treat people like that. Well, and it's just the culture that I was brought up in. I mean, I think now it's getting a little bit better, but when I was growing up in Mormonism, you were doing something wrong to feel depressed. You were looking at porn, you were masturbating, you were doing all these things that normal kids do. And it, it will wear on a person. So I was dealing with that. And I think with just all of the shit that went through, that I went through, my thyroid just decided, my body just decided, hey, I'm going to attack your thyroid now. So I went through all of that. I went through radioactive iodine. I did not have the eye disorder that she had, but I had many of the symptoms. It was not to me personally depression and these mood swings that I thought it was misdiagnosed Graves disease. And I could have had this for years and not known about it. Um, so I got better, but it still wore on me. And I had a lot of issues with weight. Oh, and I used to be a very thin kid and I'm still pretty thin, but at the time people would make comments about even how I looked how tiny I was and it was complimentary see I got the other side it was complimentary and that was part of my identity that I was a tiny person I was a cheerleader in high school and I was thin and people would always remark about how I looked so there was a part of that identity that was starting to escape me um so yeah that wore on me but there were a lot of things during that time that really made me reevaluate my religious beliefs and what they were teaching women and when I finally got better I thought I'm going to give back to the community I'm going to volunteer at a women's organization that helps mentor single moms so I did that and I did so much growth during that time and then I realized how harmful and toxic a lot of the teachings were because what I saw was when things go to shit, when the husband leaves, when the husband makes a bad decision and runs off and these women are stuck with four children, four and five children, and they never had the mentorship because their mothers were stay-at-home moms. A lot of these women didn't even have credit histories because their husband had all of this. So they always like to call it the shelf in Mormonism when something bothers you. Have you heard of that, the shelf? Oh, <laughs> race relation, you know, the, the racial thing, put it up there. Misogyny, put it up there. You're just constantly putting things on top of the shelf. And then one day it just collapses. And man, my shelf was heavy at that point. And the one thing that broke my shelf after I had talked to my bishop, and mind you, I will tell you this as well, with Mormonism and MLMs, the lower 
body if you look at at the mormon church it is a pyramid it's like a corporation they all kind of have a similar structure obviously you have a ceo and you have these people down at the bottom but what happens is everything is volunteer based within mormonism you have all the people cleaning the chapels you have all of the people the bishop all the counselors they're like dentists, business people. They they do not have a degree in ministry at all, and they are unpaid. And so they're expected to do these works without being paid. And it really reminds me of an MLM structure because they are taught to proselytize, bring people into the Mormon church. And these people are taught to provide tithing. And then it just trickles up to downtown. And it just reminds me of how MLMs expect their distributors to work. They are not paid an hourly at all. They are not given any kind of professional training without being, they're they're not being paid for that. And it just reminds me too much of that structure where it's, I believe it's typically volunteer based. If you look at what the MLM expects, expects you to do half of its volunteer work. So. That's true. That's true. <laughs> all that time you spend doing personal development, all of that time that you spend messaging people, all of that time that you spend crafting posts to try to get someone like none of that is paid. Yeah, And see, I had a degree and this is one thing that I want to reiterate is that I do come from a place of privilege. I was able to get a degree. I was able to have a decent job. I was able to somewhat learn about critical thinking and not, but not until college. And I do not understand the way a person would join an MLM when they are at home with their kids and maybe they don't have that education. They don't understand, they don't have the mentorship that I had had and experienced to know that companies pay you. They pay you to go to training. They pay you for orientation. They give you a 10-page list of what your jobs and duties are. They give you every single thing that you need to know to perform this job. And I don't know if a lot of people know that when they join an MLM, do they have a whole lot of experience with the corporate world? To me, I've always worked in the healthcare system. And that is just something they're like, their sphincter tone is like huge because they have to be, they don't want to be sued. But I think most of the jobs I've ever had, you had an expectation, you had what you needed to do for continuing education. And all of these things were paid for or reimbursed, even travel. And so it just, it's hard for me to what did I want to say? It's, it's just really eye-opening that people would be convinced that this would be the right thing to do. 
just based upon what I know in the corporate environment. Yeah. And they're also paid, most places pay, uh, like, well, not most places, unfortunately, but there are health benefits and I did, they're not provided that they're expected to take care of that too. So part of your wage is also health benefits for most people. They actually include it into your salary. Right, exactly. And that's a huge like thing about MLMs is that they advertise all of this time freedom, but like I I would argue that you have much more time freedom when you work a quote unquote nine to five. Um, where you have benefits, you have sick time, you have vacation time, you have health insurance, you have life insurance, you have all of these things that otherwise you'd be paying for out of pocket. I mean, like, not that we don't pay for them, but like, they're usually discounted by your company um, on some level. And you, if you were sick, like, I just think about all of those women that we've been seeing on social media where they're working from their hospital bed or they're in labor and they're selling their MLM products. And I'm like, these are important times in your life where you need to take care of yourself and your family. And you are spending so much of your energy pushing your products. Like, that's not good for you. No. No, I, I, when I see that, that makes me so enraged. I want to just yell through the phone and say, please get out, get out while you can. And, but so getting back to this, uh, this, the, I went through what I guess you would call physically in mentally out in the Mormon world where I was PIMO, they call it that where I was in, but I was like, I checked out a long time ago and I was, I just really didn't believe anymore, but I really liked the community. And I actually tried to get myself excommunicated because I thought that sounded cool. And it was for a a reason. And I think my Bishop was just exhausted at this point, but I had had an incident with a previous bishop that I, because I had Graves disease, I had taken on some debt and I wanted to pay that off. So I had asked him about going to the temple again. And because this guy that I was in an abusive relationship with, we, Ooh, we had premarital sex. Ooh, big whoop. But that's a sin next to murder, right? That's what I was taught. And he manipulated me. So, um, but of course it was my fault and they had to keep track of me because of the purity culture. I had to keep him in line. He couldn't control himself. So I wanted to get my temple recommend back. And I said that I had not paid my tithing for a while because I was paying off some debt. And he looked at me and he said, well, you are going to have to wait at least three months before you can get a temple recommend. My world crashed. It was like I got gut punched. Yeah, go ahead. What is a temple recommend? Good question. That is the little card that they give you so that you have access to walk into any Mormon temple. 
you have a checklist. They ask you these questions and this is a worthiness interview. So you're having a man in an office who has no educational uh, background when it comes to ministry. He is most likely not a counselor and he is judging you by the gift of discernment. And the gift of discernment is a priesthood power that is given to determine whether or not a person is worthy. I feel sick listening to this. Thank you. All the Exmos out there who are listening to this are probably reaching over their little phones and will be hugging you, like virtually hugging you for that validation. It is also an opportunity for grooming, and it also is crossing boundaries because they ask you very private questions like, do you obey the law of chastity? And they actually ask you if you masturbate. Now, I never had that happen to me. I was in the Midwest. That was never asked of me that I masturbated. But I did have this bishop tell me that the one that the temple recommend bishop, he said it was okay for me too if it kept me from having sex with my abusive fiance. So he gave me permission for my own body to do that. Oh my God. I, my head is spinning. My head is spinning. Like, I don't even know what to ask you right now. Because we need more time. <laughs> this is just. No boundaries, right? Zero boundaries, zero boundaries, zero boundaries. But also, like, how shameful, like, how, like, I can only imagine how much shame and guilt you must have had feeling all of those things. And then to be asked such private questions, like, it, it's not, it's none of your, not yours, but it's none of his business. It's none of his business at all um and that just makes me so mad that makes me so mad and I will tell you that there is a Mormon aristocracy this person has lineage that traces back to and pioneer ancestry and a lot of I don't know if I would say that here with the younger generation, but I do know with the older generation, they wear that shit like a fucking badge. It is an aristocracy. And yeah, he was part of that. So, oh, we kind of went off, didn't we? (laughs) No, we've been all over the place, but... No, I told you to buckle up, baby, because this is, it's bananas. There's there's a lot of stuff to unpack in in all of this stuff. And that's, you know, that's why there are so many podcasts about this topic. Um, And there are so many Instagram accounts. And I'm sure I'm not on Reddit, but I'm sure there's like so many Reddit feeds on this. Like, you know. That's why, because people are like leaving and they're like, oh my gosh, like, why did I tolerate this? 
eventually, yeah. And so the reason why I bring all this stuff up is there's the boundary crossing. There's the lack of self-esteem that eventually you just get broken down. And so, yeah. So my world crashed that day and I realized it was all about money because during that time, if anyone has come to visit Salt Lake City, there is this really cool shopping place called City Creek Mall that the Mormon church spent $7 billion to build. And I believe that this is part of their improvement of their image. It is a great and spacious building that I see as an abomination. And if Jesus were alive today, he, when he comes down, I think one of the first places he goes down is to Salt Lake City and does a full-on rage purge down there. They seem to think that this is improving their image and I'm sure people that look on the outside probably think wow these Mormons they really know how to do business they know what's going on but it is I believe it's a recruitment tool and I believe that it's an image tool now granted that place down there was starting to get run down and it needed to be improved but be transparent about what your tithing is being spent on, what people's tithing is, because that's where it came from. It came from investments. It came from money from members. And they even told us that it wouldn't back then. So they were lying to you about what your money was being used for. Yeah. And they bailed out a life insurance company too, but they made, so the Mormon church made about 22 billion during the pandemic and they're worth 160 billion and I don't know if that's included all of the real estate that they own in different states I know that a lot of the buildings are being sold off um, because I think that there there are many people who are leaving for social justice issues and things like that but This ties into the image of perfection with an MLM. Your life needs to be perfect on Instagram. Your family needs to be perfect. Absolutely. Everything should be perfect when you're in an MLM because everything that's good in your life happened because you're in an MLM. And the toxic positivity you almost have to be happy because you don't want to share that you are struggling because you're going to be fed this line of, well, you might not, what are you doing? What's in your home? Do you have alcohol in your home? Do you have porn in your home? Is there something in there that will drive the spirit away? You get those things. This is what I grew up with. Now, someone in the younger generation may come back and and tell you that, Oh, they don't do that anymore. They've gotten better about that. But to me, that's a form of gaslighting to even say that. Yeah. What I want to hear it people say is that was wrong. And we are sorry for that. 
but not once has the church ever apologized for anything harmful that's been done. Any change that has happened has been through people have been excommunicated. Yeah. It never comes from within. It always comes from people like railroad rousers and apostates like me. Right, exactly. I want to say one more thing about the MLM and Mormonism. I know that we could co- keep going on. There's the hero worship that I recognized. Oh, let's get to beach body. Um, Cause I know we have very little time. Gosh, you need to have me on again. And I need, of course, <laughs> please have me on again. And, and I promise I won't be so nervous this time, <laughs> <laughs> but right now, Okay, so when I was in Beachbody, there were things that I noticed. There was the mom shaming. Someone actually sounded like they were giving their testimony to me. And what that means is in the Mormon church is that they will stand up and say that they believe in in these certain principles. They believe the Book of Mormon is true. They believe that Joseph Smith was a prophet. They believe that uh, we have a prophet here on earth those kinds of things my upline and how I got into Beachbody was through a Facebook ad and at that time I had just given birth to my twins I suffered with infertility and I have a condition called premature ovarian insufficiency that rendered me the inability to have to use my own eggs so I used an egg donor I believe a lot of these autoimmune things go back to the stress and trauma that I received partly from the teachings of the Mormon church, but also some stresses that also uh, surrounded the anxiety and depression. So when I got done having my babies, they put me on hormonal replacement therapy and I gained a ton of weight because I was not on the right hormonal medication. And so my self-esteem really suffered and face, uh, Facebook brought up a beach body ad. And that's how I found out. I didn't hear from my so-called coach or upline until about a month later. And she contacted me. I didn't know who she was. And I realized that was really cool that they offered a coach. Now I thought being a coach, you needed some sort of degree or training. While I was in, I realized that that was not the case. And I wondered how they got away with that. And it's a deregulation. Oh, there goes the timer. A deregulation. There's no regulation for coaching and MLMs, which I found to be very surprising and what I would think pretty dangerous. Um, Absolutely. Because you take that title of coach and they run with it. They run with it. They're recommending food. They're recommending um, diets. They're recommending different workout programs. And, you know, it's just not, it's not safe. Like you have no idea what you're recommending to people. No. And, And so I was just really surprised by that. And I did sign someone up under me. I never really felt committed to making it a business, but I felt like it helped me. I used the container system. And just because it works doesn't mean it's good. Right. What I've found. Because I can 
consider those containers orthorexia in cute little colored containers because oh, that's what I developed. Absolutely. Right? It was a religiosity of the diet culture. I, I had religiosity when I was really trying to learn in Mormonism. And then I had a religiosity because of everything had a rule attached to it. And then I was starting to eat clean and I was following all of these people that showed me how to find different clean ingredients. Now, there's nothing wrong with that, but I almost became obsessed to the point where like, I couldn't even enjoy ranch dressing. There was someone on there that had a love of ranch dressings on one of the podcasts I listened to. And I'm like, yeah, ranch. Yes, Amber and I. <laughs> yes, Amber. So there was also the hero worship. I could not get on board with Rachel Hollis at all. And the way that she talked to people after uh, I had left, I, so what really made me realize there were a lot of these things, there were the mon shaming, the, um, the image, there was a culture of us versus them that I saw. Uh, and there was the hero worship with people who were offering sales and advice that really made me think of Deseret Book, which is a company that is owned by the church that they sell all kinds of books there. And it was like some of it's self-help. And there was just a lot of things that I saw. And then finally, when my MLM shelf cracked and broke, it was when I said, we really need to be compassionate and kind toward people who are not on a diet journey. We are not on a healthcare journey. We do not need to be judgmental toward them because I already been through that bullshit before and I was just done. I did not want to be a part of an us and them. I wanted to work together and I did not like it. I didn't like the us and them mentality and I didn't want to shame people for the food choices that they made. I didn't want to do that anymore and well I hope I didn't but I mentioned something about you know I went to a party and I had a piece of bread because someone was handing it out she had made it homemade she worked hard on it so I had a piece of bread because nobody else was having it and I was I I wanted to try it and she this coach that I uh talked to that she was my upline she said, um, I'm going to raise my hand here and be the devil's advocate, but she turned this story into her and how she was a people pleaser and that she did not set boundaries for people. That was not the message that I wanted to convey in that group. I wanted to convey that I want to make sure that we are not ostracizing people. We are not shaming people for the food choices they make. They have their reasons. Right. And for us to do that, it's it's just wrong. But she took it another way. And I was like, I, I felt shamed in that group. And I just thought, you know what? I just slammed the computer down. And she did contact me and talk to me about it. And I told her, I said, I was already a part of one organization that made me feel like shame for the choices that I made. 
I noticed that there were things that there was an us and them mentality. I was not comfortable with that. We didn't, we were not empathetic toward people who have a different lifestyle than we do. And I said, I'm not comfortable with being a part of this anymore. And she did say, thank you for letting me know. Um, and then she bore her MLM testimony about how I chose Beachbody because I could stay at home with my kids, yada, 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 which I don't care. Like I, I mean, yeah. I shouldn't say I don't care, but it was enough to where like, I don't really need to know your reasons why. It was all, almost like being a Mormon again in the church and being like telling myself that this is why I'm doing these things. It's, it's this thought process of trying yeah. to stay committed to something. And there were a lot of things that I saw with her, with her red flags, um, with her saying she stays up till midnight and she really wasn't there for anyone um that had actually a health problem unless she said put exclamation points if you need for need to contact me but I'll be working and she seemed to know to not invest too much time in me as far as that business side because I was on to her I said can you actually legitimately make money doing this and she said well you will work she says you can but you will work and I think that makes MLMs make liars out of people. And so, you know, it's, I was just done. I was just proud of myself for realizing after nine months, I, I really was cautious about a lot of things during that time. And after that nine months of being in there, I, I, I had enough. And I was just really proud of myself for just backing away, but just, and then once I got off and I went onto YouTube, Kiki Chanel's video popped up about their summit and about Rachel Hollis. And the way she talked to people in her audience reminded me very much of a lot of these church leaders talk, talks, yeah. being very harsh, calling people names, being told they're lazy and yeah, all sorts of things. It just brought back everything. And I thought this is a commercial cult. I was already in a religious cult. I am onto these people. I'm I'm just done with that diet culture and yeah. So yeah. that that that's my story in a nutshell. I know we're strapped for time. So. Yeah. Um well thank you so much. So my final question is um what is your anti-MLM why? It doesn't have to make you cry though. No, I'm, I'm trying not to. So my why is that I want a reduction of harm. These organizations are very powerful and I am only one person. It, they have a lot of money. They have a lot of people that they are paying to keep things as they are. And so I feel like I just can't compete with what anyone can do right now, but to do a grassroots thing with MLMs and Mormonism. I'm not trying to pull people away from their faith by giving me, giving you my story, but I do want 
people who are still on, who are active members of the church, maybe they've been put out already <laughs> with the things that I've said. But I want to ask them this, and I want to ask people who are in MLMs this, does it not bother you any of the things that has been said and done within this organization? Not one thing. If, there, if it has, you need to explore that some more. I think that's a really good point and like a really good thing for people to like reflect on because I think so often, especially like I, I can only speak to my experience in MLMs because I haven't been a member of, of the Mormon faith, but um, like, you know, because you're your own boss, quote unquote, you know, it doesn't matter what the company does because it's me. I'm the one that's running my business. So like if they do something wrong, like I guess I can just look the other way because I'm not doing something wrong. I'm not doing something that I don't believe in. So I think that the more that you're like, wait a second, how can you stand behind this company name that's doing these things that you don't actually stand for and like question that? And how long are you going to sit in silence behind this company name and let them do these terrible things to people? Well, and I understand the need for community. I understand the need for a friendship. And I understand the cost versus benefit analysis, whether it be the religion you're in or with an MLM. We all have to factor that in. Right, exactly. So I believe in informed consent and either religious or any other thing that you are signing up to do. And I, I just want people to do their homework. I want you to look at everything. If you are going to join an MLM, I want you to even look at the criticisms of the MLM industry. If you're looking at a religious organization, look at the criticisms of that. If they are worth their weight in gold, they can withstand the criticism. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I feel like that's such a good point for us to leave off on because I'm pretty sure you actually started off talking about consent. So we yeah. have come full circle now. Um, <laughs> thank you. you. Want, okay. Yes. Thank you so okay. much. Can you share your, um, your handles one more time in case somebody didn't catch it at the beginning um, where they can find you? And is it okay for people to reach out to you if they have questions or want to tell you that they resonate with your story? Yes, you can reach me at your tank top friend on Instagram. I also have a YouTube channel and I also have an email, your tank top friend at gmail.com. Thank you so much to those who have stayed and listened. It was a little rough at the beginning, but thank you for staying and listening to me. Thank you, Danielle, for all the work that you do and all of the anti-MLM creators. Thank you so much. I bless you all. I'm so grateful to be a part of this community. Thank you so much. Um, and also just one more plug at the end here. Um, there is still time if you have not submitted your comments to the FTC. Um, I believe we have until May 10th, but I do not have the date in front of me. Um, it is so important that you submit your comments. Make sure if you have a spouse, if you have a family member that watched you go through this or they participated with you, have them submit comments too. We need all of the stories submitted to the FTC as soon as possible. Um, so thank you so much for listening and 
while you're finishing up, please just go right over to the FTC website and submit your comments. Have a fantastic weekend, everyone. Bye-bye. Bye.